from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Talking Catholic. This is your co-host, Mary McCusker, and as always, I'm joined by Michael Walsh. How's it going, Mike? It's going well. It's going very well, actually. So today we are talking about vocations. Yep. I love talking about vocations because we haven't done it enough in our podcast lately. (laughs) And last week was um, uh, Vocation Awareness Week, right? It was. So we're a little bit late, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, the truth of the matter is vocations go year round. If there's one thing we know that our bishop, Bishop Dennis Sullivan, is always asking the laity to pray for and clergy to pray for, religious, uh, is uh, for more vocations, for people to listen to the call, whatever that call might be, but ideally to the priesthood and certainly to religious life. Um, But, you know, listen to that call. I I love talking about the call. I've never heard the call, so I'd like to talk to other people who have heard the call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the second recording in a row where we brought a third, for lack of a better word, co-host with us who's probably brighter than both of us when it comes to this subject matter. We know. Well, A, she's brighter than both of us in general. In general, And certainly in this subject matter, (laughs) much more brighter than I am anyway. And, And what is she? She she is an award-winning podcaster. That's right. I even have the t-shirt. Yeah, she has a t-shirt to prove it. We're lucky to have Lori Power with us today. She's our uh, beloved host of the Talking Saints podcast, along with Peter Sanchez. And as I always like to remind Mike, they won uh, the Catholic Press Association Best Podcast program two years in a row. Well, they won second place two years ago. Oh, this, no. this year, however, they won <laughs> first place. Let's be, correct. Let's be clear. But uh, yes, that is correct. She won. Uh, she and Pete won Best Diocesan Podcast earlier this year, so congratulations again. Thank you. You said very sarcastically. No, welcome, Lori. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Just to be clear, Talking Saints is part of the Talking Catholic family, and I am the producer of that episode, oh. or that show, so I'm, I take great pride in that. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. Not at all. Not at all. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not I'm so bitter. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I could see it in your eyes. So, How are you doing, Lori? So let's Lori? make this one particularly excellent today. Yeah. Well, you're, since you're here, this is the one we're going to submit to the awards next year. <laughs> we have an outside chance we'll of winning. We'll finally now. win. <laughs> the, um, but Lori, Lori happened to be here today. She was recording, as a matter of fact, Talking Saints. She did her two episodes prior to this. Do you want to give a uh, preview of what you talked about on Talking yeah, Saints? So we did a little Saint News because we had two pretty well-known uh, people beatified, um, Father McGivney and Blessed Carlo Acutis. And then we talked about uh, Blessed Miguel Pro. So his feast day is November 23rd, and then St. Juan Diego, December 9th. So watch for them. That's right. And you'll you, those uh, those will be coming into your podcast feed for those of you who are on the Talking Catholic podcast feed on all of our podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Alexa, any place you can find us. Uh, so, yeah, listen for Talking Saints on those days. And to our domestic church media listeners, make sure you go and check out our feeds elsewhere because uh, Talking Saints is a, it's only a, a podcast. So you got to make Award-winning work. Award-winning podcast. Award-winning podcast. <laughs> Talking Catholic. Award-winning. Hurts so much. <laughs> one day, Mike, one day. I'll hold on. Hope. And our, our guest today is Father Adam Chehesky. He's joined us. He's the Director of Vocations here in the Camden Diocese. Father, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So it's great to How be How are back. you doing? Doing good, doing good. So Mary was just uh, with us 
few weeks ago, right, as we were doing our uh, Holy Hour for Vocations, yep. which Mike refused to come to for some reason. <laughs> I was, um, I was so hoping maybe, you'd call him out. Yes. Maybe he doesn't like to pray for vocation. Maybe he's too busy. So, so, so. I don't know what's going on, but uh, he refused to come that night. And I well, think yeah. that was probably our best night ever. You know, it was. We, had, we had a church full of people. We had, you know, the, the site almost went down. We had so many people watching. There's so. a waiting list now because you weren't there. A virtual waiting list. So, I have got so to stop we, coming to things. Can we actually come in person to this holy hour? I yes, thought, yeah, okay, good. I wasn't sure if yeah. it was for everyone to come to or just it was virtual a, you know something that we uh we wanted to reach out to as many people as we could and uh we know it it's kind of uncertain times what we were doing um but we want to you know especially for those who are discerning a vocation whether it's the priesthood the married life to uh religious life you know just a, a time to pray and to come together to see other people doing the same thing so and it's at uh it's on it's first thursdays first thursdays of each month at uh, saint luke's church and it's also, uh, it's at 7 o'clock at night? 7 p.m., yes. And it's also available via live stream on the Diocese of Camden's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter channels. Mm-hmm. And just to point, even though I wasn't there, I did set everything up to, to go out to the rest of the world. So I, I was saying, you're I was, reaching, Mike. And I was monitoring it the entire time to see if Mary screwed anything up. And she didn't. It was a great, it was a great broadcast. So it was wonderful. I happened to be at a Boy Scouts event that evening that I couldn't get out of. Fulfilling so your vocation as a father. F- fulfilling right? there we my go. vocation as a a father, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, Laurie. That's, that's not what John Caleb told. No, yeah. it's a completely different story. <laughs> it is strange how that happens. <laughs> the uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we've actually had a really good run of vocation stories uh, since the summertime when we had three seminarians uh, ordained to the transitional diaconate. Then we had another episode with our two newest um, uh, priests. Uh, Father John March and Father Peter Gallagher. Father Peter Gallagher, I can't keep off the podcast. He keeps, she's like a bad egg. He keeps showing up. And then, maybe, maybe that's why we're not winning. But I don't know what's happening here. And then, um, and then uh, most recently, about two weeks ago, I think, we had the most recent uh, permanent deacons on. And we also had uh, the CFR sisters from the Atlantic City Convent on a few months ago. Uh, what we realized is we haven't had the vocations director on in entirely too long a period of time because, unfortunately, he's a busy man. But you've talked about him behind his back on oh, all of these so podcasts, often, yes. right? <laughs> Every one of these uh, seminarians has taken a dig at him each time. It's been wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so we wanted to have him on to really kind of – we did miss – Vocations Week uh, at the beginning of November, but I, I did want to have him on to sort of talk about vocations a little bit, and I wanted to have Lori on because Lori has her, has her own vocations journey uh, that she, uh, that she's been on since uh, a wee one, and uh, Mary and I are still struggling with our, vac- <laughs> our vocation, so we, we're just going to sit here and Dust listen. Dust in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Father, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, priestly. Uh, vocations. Um, what is it in your role as a vocations director that you you do on a regular basis? Um, it's a, a good question, and it's one that uh, every day is is very different. <clears throat> Where, uh, for example, just this past week, I had to go up to visit our seminarians to see how they were doing. Um, other weeks, it's really. Uh, returning emails, making phone calls, um, trying to schedule different things where I can uh, meet with men or meet with uh, groups that, you know, would allow me to speak about vocations. Um, so it's, you know, a, a very interesting uh, ministry, really. That's that's what it's all about is ministering to our present seminarians who are in the formation process and those who are thinking about it or trying to find out if God is, is calling them that way. 
So there's a, a lot of things that, that happen in between uh, discerning uh, that call and then discerning it in the seminary. So there's a, uh, just a good uh, amount of um, just time to, again, pray about it and to always think about it and to really um, see where God is calling and, and listening, as you said before, you know, the importance yeah. of listening and just seeing if, if God is really calling us to that vocation. Now, I, I have beaten the word discern and discernment to death on every podcast, everything I've written in the last five years. Uh, I think I've, I've used it so often that maybe it's lost meaning for some people. So talk about the discernment process. It's it's I think some people think of it as just praying about what they should be doing, but it's actually deeper than that, right? Yeah, and uh, I can speak about it in my own life. Um, just going to um, Mass each week, <clears throat> you have a great opportunity. And uh I always thank my mom because she would take us early. She would make oh. us get there a half hour early to each mass, and we hated it, but it really <laughs> did pay off in the long run because, you know, she kind of, in her own way, was teaching us the importance of prayer so that me and my brothers would get some kind of quiet time where we weren't fighting or weren't <laughs> arguing. Um, and I think it was time for her, too, to, to pray. Um, and uh, everybody needs to pray no matter what vocation you have, but um, especially if you are thinking about it, being in the presence of God, and uh, seeing how you feel in that moment. And uh, that's really what led me to the, the priesthood was, um, you know, I had fallen away from the faith, but then had come back to it. And uh, I found that each time I went to church on Sunday, you know, it was something that I wanted to stay longer or wanted to be there earlier and just to be more involved. Um, and that turned into um, going each morning. So I was working overnights at the time at a supermarket. Um, so I would be able to go to Mass each morning. And, and just how much peace I found there, how much... Uh, happiness I found when I was there. And um, it was just something where I felt God was, was leading me or calling me to do um, this with my life, where, you know, we can easily go to Mass and enjoy our experience. Hopefully we're enjoying our experience <laughs> there as we as we meet Christ. Um, but there's something more there, and, and it's hard to really define it. It's hard to really put it into words, but you know that, you know, you're calling to bring that with you um, in a way where you live your life for each day. And um, not that uh, all Christians live for Christ, but in different ways as a, as a married man, as single men and women, um, as religious. You know, there's so many ways we can live for Christ. Um, but as the priesthood, it's, it's you know, being that, that great sign, but also that altar Christus, you know, that other Christ where we are truly, you know, bringing him into the world and making him present. Um, and it was a, a gift, especially the Sacrament of Reconciliation, that really helped me... Um, to want to share that with others, you know, just the, the experience that I've had and the, the things that I was able to see, you know, how much I really felt God calling me to share that with others and being that that kind of a connection or that door at times for others to come back just as myself uh, had done. Yeah. You know, Lori, um, we have you on, aside from being a, you know, world-renowned podcaster. <laughs> world-renowned? <laughs> world -renowned. I don't know about that. The, the, the Catholic Media Association, of which you got your reward, is a global association. Oh, so I didn't it's, know it's that. worldwide. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's actually just the United States and Canada, but I'm going to say it's worldwide. Um, <laughs> Fair the, um, the, uh, but you actually have your own path. So in addition to being a podcaster, you, you actually... <laughs> that's you, really my vocation. I'm now fulfilled. <laughs> well, because I am a podcaster. Right. We're going to add a fifth vocation <laughs> to right. the... Uh, 
So, but so your day job is not necessarily being a podcast. What do you do during your day job? Uh, the director of evangelization and discipleship at Christ Redeemer Parish. That's right. Now, which the, means what is what most people ask? Me. Like, I was going to say, do can you break that down a little bit? <laughs> is it the RCIA? Do you do the RCIA? I don't. I don't I know, actually. I know. So that's yeah. <laughs> that's always the first question people ask, though. So, what do you do? Is that what do I do? So, this is a new position at my parish and new for me. So, my pastor has been really good about sort of letting me make it up as I go along, which is nice. Good. <laughs> I like that. So my first goal is, of course, for the people in the pews. That would be the, well, I mean, I was going to say discipleship, but I think there are still some people in our pews that need to hear that they can have a relationship with Jesus because they might not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then equipping them to really take that out and evangelize outside of our parish. Um, we've been doing that already at the local farmer's market. That's kind of always interesting. I've been wanting to stop by. That's I'd such a good idea. I love seeing your photos at the, at the farmer's it market. It is so interesting. This is the we one meet, in Berlin, Lloyd? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like a huge there. outdoor kind of flea market slash farmer's market. Slash it's, it just brings a lot of people in, it even does. in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Especially <laughs> if you want Chinese say. throwing stars. It, exactly. It's, you can find unique things there. That's right. Including you. Exactly. So we're bringing Jesus to the public square. <laughs> we're trying to. So. But but your path to that uh, that road uh, brought you down a vocations path as well. Yes, you you had course. you were considering a, a religious vocation, right? I was. Yes. So where to begin with that? Many <laughs> many many years ago. Many years ago. <laughs> so interestingly enough. Um, I think when I was in high school, there was, I guess, a sister that, what would be the title in the diocese that would be sort of like your equivalent, but sharing yeah, about like religion? Yeah, um, uh, not director of religious life, but like a representative of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I think it was Sister Dorothy when I was in oh. high school. Because oh. I remember getting mail from her because somebody must have given me her name. Like, oh, you would make a good Dorothy. sister. I know. Our she's lovely. Yeah, yes. Sister Dorothy. Yeah. Right she, was, she was on the podcast too. It was a great episode with her. <gasps> was yeah. She? yeah. She's she awesome. Was. It was like year two. She is awesome. It was awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> but at that time, I had absolutely no interest in being a sister. And I was like, all right, whatever. No, I don't This, this was in high school. This was high school. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I guess I was, you know, going to mass. If I could just stop you there. Anyone who's listened to the podcast, this is our 199th episode. Every single time we've talked to someone who's been, who's gone down the vocations journey, they've all started the exact same way. I never wanted to, I never wanted to be a priest. I never wanted to be a sister. think of it. I've never had anybody on. No, You should find someone. Because there's some priests I know that were like playing mass when they were kids. So, Uh, you know. I was going to say. Right? See? Every time I was like, oh, wait, Father Peter Gallagher. That's right. Aside from him, it always starts the same way. So anyway, you, you were like, not for me. Exactly. So I went to college, and I had my plan of what I wanted to do with my life, and that did not work out for a number of reasons. Um, I wanted to be a child psychologist, and then I interned in an inpatient um, children's ward, and I said, no, I can't do this for the rest of my life. So, yeah. But that was good. It's God hard. was showing me. Right. Um, so... Um, college was coming to an end. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I found this, it was like a service learning program in Baltimore where you would teach in a Catholic school and also go to school at the same time, which seems crazy, but I thought, okay, well, that's, that'll be something to do for two years. <laughs> um, and I was teaching in an inner city, city school and it was probably the hardest thing I'd ever done. Loved the kids, but very needy, very challenging. Yeah, and sure. I was only yeah. teaching fifth grade, so they're still pretty young, still pretty little. Yeah. Um, at that same time, my mom became very seriously ill, so I left that and came home, um, and she was in the hospital and in uh, a rehab for a while, so we were just spending our days, my dad and I, with her. So I had a lot of time on my hands. So when I came back, <laughs> I um, reconnected with uh, some of the Catholic young adults I knew 
new. And they invited me to several different young adult groups. Um, I was just talking to Pete. That's actually how I met Pete in the St. Rose oh, young wow. adult group. How important like those small faith communities are. Um, I look back and think, if I had just maybe had my parish, I don't know that I would have grown the way I did. Um, also in college, I had a really strong Newman group that just encouraged us to grow in holiness, which I think Father touched on that a little bit, but like everyone's vocation is to holiness and to yeah. mission. And what then specifically, was... Johns Hopkins That's in Baltimore, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Dominicans are actually there now doing campus ministry, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Plug for the friars down there. Um, so yeah, came back, got involved, met some very um, holy and joyful priests and said like, they have something, whatever whatever they have, like I want that. Like mm-hmm. that's incredible, it. yes. <laughs> um, and I really dive, dove into my faith I was like watching EWTN like all the time. Um, I could tell you what time of day it was by what was <laughs> <laughs> I was learning a lot. Um, and even like the impact, like, so don't underestimate the impact you have, Father. Like a priest once said in a homily, like, as Catholics, like Mary's calling us to pray the rosary every day. And I just never thought about it. So I started praying the rosary every day. <laughs> just making that suggestion is it, people are listening. Um, And eventually, on EWTN, I came across a documentary that was about the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. Mm. And it was like a random time of day. And I I just turned it on, and it caught my attention because there was a ballerina on the screen. I'm like, EWTN never shows ballets. Like, that's not (laughs) not an art form they would generally highlight. Um, But this ballerina became, she gave up her career as a professional dancer with the Pennsylvania Ballet and became... uh, Dominican sister, and she's now the prioress of the community, actually, so it's a wild story. Um, So I watched the whole documentary, and uh, I knew like there was something in me that said, I have to call them. Now they're in Nashville. I had never even encountered these sisters before, but like I knew, I felt like God saying, you have to like at least make a phone call. So I talked to the vocation director there, um, and after a couple of minutes, she's like, we're having a, a retreat at the end of the month. Do you want to come? I was like, no. I, can't. <laughs> I literally was, uh, I was about to say, uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> well, I was actually in my car, because nobody knew I was even thinking about this. I wasn't telling people. Um, talking to her in my car, and I was like, I don't know. I'm sure I have something to do that weekend. Like, I'm sure I can't be in Nashville in three weeks. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, but ultimately, I did say, well, there's really no reason that I couldn't go and at least try mm-hmm. it out. Um, so I just told my family I'm going on a retreat. And they're like, with sisters in Nashville? I, mean, like, like, I think they were on to me, but I didn't say anything. Um, so I knew probably within uh, the first day that I was going to apply probably and, and enter wow. that community. And wow. I already had started making plans. I'm like, oh, okay, I have to quit my job. I have to resign from this. <gasps> oh I was volunteering. Like, all, all the wow. different things you would need to do to, um, yeah, sort of leave your life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I felt complete peace and joy, and the Lord just sort of worked it all out. Like, everything fell into place. Um, I had a pretty significant uh, student loan that remained outstanding, and I had a going-away party, and my family sort of made it known that I needed to cover this. And in one night, I was able to raise enough wow. to pay that. That's <laughs> so people amazing. were so good. Um, yeah, and it was just beautiful. You could just see God at work. So if anyone's thinking about a vocation, religious, or even to seminary, like, God will pave the way. He'll make it. I mean, it wasn't easy. I still had to say goodbye to a lot of people and let go of a lot of things. Um, but there's a joy in it and a peace that you, know, you wouldn't experience otherwise when you're not in his will. So would you agree, Father? Yeah, definitely. There's a, a sense of, 
you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, part of our, our discernment is just feeling how, you know, we feel that peace or we feel that, that happiness or joy. Um, even though it's not going to be easy, it doesn't mean that every day is going to be, you know, wonderful. But you're still, you know, it's still uh, something where you can say, yeah, I can overcome whatever challenges come mm-hmm. at me. It's just something that um, happens, you know, to no matter what vocation you're in, you're going to have those days. Now, Father, did you kind of always feel that vocation towards the priesthood or was it more of a, a, a journey? I know you said, you know, you kind of came back to the faith at one point, but can you tell us how you ended up? becoming a priest. Uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting story, a long story, so we might have <laughs> Go to uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> Mike will probably cut me off pretty soon because he's not a big fan of vocation. No. Uh, yeah. no we learned vocations. that in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, my my life was really like most Catholics, you know, I was baptized as a baby. Um, I have two older brothers, so I'm the youngest of, in my family. Um, my mom's Catholic, and my dad's Protestant. And um so when they got married, they were married in the church, and they decided they were going to raise us Catholic. Um, and my mom made sure we were at church every week. Early. Uh, early. <laughs> before the lights were on sometimes. So we were um, we got a good introduction. And we went through uh, public schools. So we had to go through CCD each week, which made us even angrier that we had to spend another hour <laughs> at the church. Um, but thankfully, she did it, you know, and it was a good thing. Um, but being the youngest, you know, my mom uh, worked. At, she still does work at a... Uh, uh, All Saints Parish in Millville, so uh, oh. St. Mary Magdalene Church. Um, so she was working there right after I started going back to school. So right when I was five or six, she started. Um, my grandmother had been the bookkeeper there, and my mom just kind of came in to help with the bulletin and things like that. So she was working about four days a week back then. So those days when my brothers were in high school, middle school, and I was still in elementary, um, they would get days off that I wouldn't, or I would get days off they wouldn't. Um, so I'd have to go to work with her on those days when nobody was home. <laughs> And uh, I really became just a pain during the day of uh, just, uh, you know, asking when can we leave. Or, um, and they would give me busy work to do. And, you know, I'd help distribute food a lot. You know, it's a poor area in Millville. But uh, that's really where that the first vocation really came, uh, the thought of it. You know, and I met a lot of different priests. And it was totally different than what I saw on Sundays. You know, you kind of see them in, in their natural element kind of, you know. As, they're actually people. They're people, yeah. And, they, you know, they like sports. They like going to the gym. Um, they laughed. They had a good time. Um, they joked around, you know, and it was just a, a whole different life. Um, but I also, you know, really developed a, a good prayer life, too. And again, thanks to my mom that, you know, kind of worked with it. And um, I think they saw it and they were trying to, to plant those seeds. And thankfully they did. You know, they always invited me or uh, always made sure I, I was uh, welcome to whatever was going on during the day. Um, and so those seeds kind of planted, and uh, they stayed with me uh, until high school. And then, like everything else, uh, high school changes <laughs> all of our plans. Right. And we start to, um, you know, have our own ideas and what we want to do and what we think is going to make us happy. Um, and in the end, it, uh, no matter what I tried, nothing really worked out. Nothing really uh, felt as, as peaceful as I did when I was in church. And I had, uh, you know, a couple different things. My my goal was actually to enter into the army right after high school. Oh, wow. uh, I <laughs> hated South Jersey, and I couldn't wait to get out of it. <laughs> and uh, you know, God has that good uh, sense of humor when it comes to this, because now I've you know promised to live my life out in South Jersey. Um, uh, but uh, I actually was uh, disqualified for a medical reason. I have a, a concave chest, which uh, kept me from mm. from joining. And this would have been about two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, so it's. 
you know, God really works through those things. And I was angry, you know, right after that because everything in my life was hinged on this one plan, hinged on this. And I, I'd never heard of anybody being disqualified or being, you know, told not, you're not able to. Um, so I really had to rethink things. And, uh, you know, I really tried, um, started going to school, started uh, just kind of focusing on careers that would get me out of South Jersey again. I was trying to find anything that would. How bad is Millville? My <laughs> gosh. I'm from Franklinville. So Franklinville. That's it's worse. <laughs> We're better than Millville. But don't tell Millville that. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but it was just something, uh, again, that. You know, it was a gift that was given to me and I, I, my gift of faith. And um, it was something I didn't realize till much later on um, where I really did. And again, it's thanks to my mom who kept inviting me back to church and inviting me uh, to come to confession, inviting me to come to mass with her. Um, that really, it started to sink through my head, like, maybe this is important <laughs> that she keeps asking me <laughs> to think about this. Uh, and you can only brush it off for so long. And then uh, you, f- you feel that voice. And, uh, you know, that's one of the beautiful things now about my priesthood. When people come in and say, you know, it's been, you know, years or months, um, and I don't know why I'm here, but something told me to come to confession and something told me to, to you know, try to make things right again. And it's like, it's my own story kind of clicks and it's just like that's awesome you know and they're yeah. kind of looking at you like what <laughs> you know I was like, you know this is great that you're here um and it's really following that holy spirit and just uh finding out where he's going to lead us and how he's he going to use us in those ways that really we we can't imagine and i always had a big fear of speaking in public speaking you know on radio or things Look like that so, <laughs> so it's come i've come a long way um thanks to the seminary and yeah. uh you know i've wouldn't have dreamed of doing anything like this. I would have been the guy that would have been like, sorry, Mike. You know, <laughs> like you did for that vocation. Night. Exactly. You know, you just make up things uh, to really get out of it. That, I, was, I was becoming a master at that. Gosh, when it came I love to when people take shots at Mike. <laughs> what I'm here for. We're, we're from the same hometown. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, okay. we're brothers in that regard. That's right. The, uh, but, you know, and it's, it's, I love hearing people's uh, vocation story and, and, and sort of how they progress. And, you know, we've had Father Adam's uh, much more accomplished predecessor on many times. Oh, oh, oh. Shots <laughs> fired! Father, my classmate? <laughs> Father Michael Romano. Uh, I thought you were going to say Father Matt. <laughs> uh, he's pretty accomplished, too. The... Um, but, uh, you know, and it's it's always wonderful to hear these stories and, you know, something we've talked with him and we kind of t- talked a little bit before the podcast amongst ourselves was that, you know, not every vocation story ends with an ordination um, or, or a profession of fouls. And in your case, Lori, uh, you are not currently in habit. And That's so true. I'm assuming <laughs> that uh, you, 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 know, you started the journey, but then the journey took a left turn somewhere. So, well, well, no, no. I, well, I don't mean to say that. <laughs> We, right, it took an unexpected an turn. Unexpected there turn. we go. That's so, better. so like, so you, so I, I've not mentioned it often on the on the podcast, but I have an appreciation for the Nashville Dominicans. One of my one was a person who was in our circle when I was a young adult. Also professed to the uh, Nashville Dominicans. And I went down for her first vows. You were a professional. Oh I was at her first vows. Yeah, wow. that's a beautiful cathedral in, in yes. Nashville, and the beautiful, the beautiful um, mother house in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, like most people go to Nashville and have these stories of Broadway and honky tonk and stuff like. <laughs> I go to Nashville I'm like, wow, you should have seen the sisters. That's 
Hundreds of them. Hundreds. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, so I was there, and I do have an affinity for them because of that, because I too found them to be just mm. just um, intoxicating to be around. The, the level of their holiness and and their joy. That was the other thing that really blew me away the first time I went down there was just how, what a joyful group of people this was. Because, you know, what's like Father Adam? When I was younger, you know, I was around women religious and uh but i was in school with them and sometimes you know i got in trouble so i maybe had a different perspective <laughs> on the sisters uh that i did as an adult when i wasn't getting yelled at as much um so you know talk about your life uh you know in those first couple of years with the sisters sure so i was there for almost two years um i left just before first profession but not before i had already sent invitations out that was interesting oh, wow. oh, god That's bless rough. my sister she got like on facebook and and found all the people that i knew oh. let them know don't come actually a couple friends had already bought plane tickets so they just went to nashville and just oh took a no um so what were those first almost two years like so the first year i was a postulant so you basically go down and um get to know the life like the so the, the sisters follow a, a horarium which is like a um, like a schedule of prayer and what they do in their daily life um, which starts at 5 a.m. most Ooh. days. <laughs> oh, no, so that's no. The first adjustment, adjusting to getting up at 5 a.m. And um, the days are, pr- for the sisters' information, the days are pretty packed and it's pretty scheduled for you. So you're either studying or um, doing some sort of duty around the house or taking classes um, or praying. So <laughs> you're, it's it's definitely adjustment an adjustment, especially for those who entered a little bit older. Like we had a lot of freedom with what we could do with our time. Um, a couple of the women were right out of high school, so they sort of, you know, were already on a schedule. But so so that's, that was definitely an adjustment. And it's really just um, a time to grow in self-knowledge, um, also to grow in knowledge of the particular charism of the community. So for um, Dominicans are preachers and teachers and also have great devotion to the rosary, to Blessed Mother, and to the Eucharist. Um, but really just learning to, to live that life. Um, I learned to pray the office when I was there. That was a challenge initially. <laughs> so if, if anybody just seems overwhelmed by that, it's you can learn. You'll figure it out, really. <laughs> Ten years oh, of trying. Really? No, Wait, the, no, I, I will admit the apps, the apps have helped. That's true. The apps have helped That's a lot. True. Yeah, yeah. I still don't know how to... But if you gave me the office and if you handed me the book, I'd be like... <laughs> I got Would you no even idea. know if you had the right book in front I, of you? I, I, I've <laughs> been given it. Actually, I have it. I, well, okay. I have. I don't have the four volume one. I have like the the single one. Okay. It was given to me by Karen Queso, as a matter of fact, and uh, she gave it to me. And then nobody taught me how to use it. Oh, no. So like, I, like I've tried to use it. I'm like, I'm lost. But the apps have been a big help. That's I, true. The iBreviary app is uh, yes. quite useful. Excellent. Yes. You can't go wrong. Can't go right. wrong. Um, so, I mean, maybe we should explain. You probably talked about this, the idea that the what the Liturgy of the Hours is. Actually, I Do avoid want- it because I don't understand it. So, <laughs> oh, man. if you and Father Adam want to take a crack at it, I'd appreciate oh, yeah, it. We'll, I know there's we'll a lot of prayer in it. <laughs> so, yeah, the Liturgies of the Hours is uh, about sanctifying our day throughout the day of, of, of making it um, time for prayer. And it's, uh, you know, a cross at some times, but it's really a big help in, uh, in our lives because it's uh, five times throughout the day where you really take a break of you know things going on to um, pray the psalms and you know some other readings that come with it Um, but it starts um, with an hour that you can do anytime but most of us do it before evening uh, morning prayer um, is a a office of readings which is again you pray through usually three psalms and then there's readings of the day like um, 
So for today's feast day, there's usually something about uh, St. Josephat um, or one of the other saints, um, along with uh, another reading from the scripture. So um, it's a, a little bit longer one, um, but it's one um, that uh, kind of helps me begin my day and it helps to begin and prepare for homilies and things that you would say for the Mass, um, because you do get a, a lot of beautiful things that mm-hmm. come out of it and a lot of beautiful writings um, that you wouldn't necessarily really focus on. Um, and then you begin with morning prayer, which is, you know, again, a prayer for the morning. <laughs> they are very, to begin they are very, your day. Yeah, they are, they are easy to understand from a title perspective. Yeah. Finding them in the book is a little tricky, though. Uh, yeah, and there's uh, four volumes, and that's uh, what we are. There's a four-volume set. There's a one-volume set um, for the beginners. And usually after 10 years, you can <laughs> graduate. <laughs> but uh, some of us, you know, might go back even farther. So we'll see. What is so challenging about, I'm not familiar with this. I'm sorry. So what's the challenge? Is it the, comprehending it or keeping up with the time? where you should be in the book. It's probably There's the no directory where you can just jump to somewhere. So if there's a particular maybe feast day, you would have to find the particular prayers uh, for okay. that day. So, so you got to do some digging. Exactly. Around. Yes. Okay. So you need to prepare before you would start. And, and yeah, they break ahead. it up with the uh, liturgical season. So yes. you have a book for Advent, uh, a book for, or, well, two books for Ordinary Time, and then one book for um, Lent and Easter. Um, so Advent and Christmas is together in that book. But you, once you find the right time that you're in, then you have to find out what day. So you would start, um, like for this week would be the 32nd week of uh, Ordinary Time. Um, but today is the Feast of our uh, Memorial of St. Josephat. So if, if that's a patron of your church or just a thing that we celebrate here in the diocese then that would make make it a different reading that you would have to do so there's you know a lot that goes into it but um you know and that's what the the joke always is is that's why seminary is so long so that once you finish (laughs) you have some idea of what you're doing with the breviary and it's uh it's true and uh we do have great help with the the eye breviary but there's also little books too that I've seen, um, St. Joseph's puts it out for the one volume and the uh, the four volume where it tells you the exact page you need to be on and yes, what you need helpful. to say. Um, and that it does help, like for me, going back and forth on my phone, depending on where my breviary is. And um, usually it's, it's either in my car or in my room. Um, and if it's not in that right spot where I am, you know, then the phone helps in a, in a big way. So I kind of go back and forth. And you always have to readjust the... Uh, the uh, Oh, the placeholders? The placeholders. The ribbons. The ribbons. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, you have to adjust the ribbons or else people are going to be like, well, Father Adam's not saying the like, He's like flipping through pages. And it's like, you know, it's always embarrassing. Um, but you pray throughout the day. So we have a morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, and then a night prayer, which is the shortest. Um, and it's night prayer is always the same. Um, for each day usually so you'll uh, saturday through sunday you'll have the same readings each week but for morning through evening um it goes on a four-week cycle so you cycle through all the psalms plus additional you know things they throw in there at times mm-hmm. um so but if it, you're thinking about praying the office, uh, night prayer would be a good place to start. Yeah, <laughs> because it's the same. Each. Well, it's you know it's interesting you say that because so I love I, night prayer, so I'm a little biased. So for the last ten years, I that was always my my plan for Lent was to say that it was to read the office every day 
for, or pray in the office every day for Lent. And obviously, I would get one day in, and I go, I, I'm confused. And then, I, but thanks to the apps, I'm now able to make it three days in. Um, but then somebody said, "Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing." Somebody said to me, "Like, you just read the first one, and the last one. Don't don't try yeah, to read all five. Were you trying to do all the hours? Yeah, I was trying to do wow. everything. And uh, well, it's Lent. I'm making a sacrifice. Good for you, Mike. But uh, but failing miserably. And then someone Small said, steps. I know, over 10 years. Um, when you give up for Lent, that's not what they mean. Every time, gave it up for Lent. But, um, but it, it is, I mean, it is a sacrifice. But it, and then someone said, well, doofus, just read one or two. Don't read all five. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, once you get ordained is when you make those promises or prof- mm-hmm. uh, profess, you know, that's uh, important. So for seminary, they always bookend it with morning prayer and evening prayer together, which you know, praying it in community too makes a big mm. difference. So. Yeah, I yes, like that. To make you feel better, I did not continue praying it after I left community because it was just too hard to do it by myself. So. Well, then I. Hey, <laughs> if I'm you on can't your side. do it, Lori, I'm not even <laughs> touching this. You know, <laughs> well, no, with other people, like the sisters will always pray it when we're there mm-hmm. volunteering with them. Like, so yes. it would be a great thing to have in parishes. It's just. It would be yeah, hard for the priest to have it would be one more thing to lead. But, <laughs> or yeah. Mike, if you could make your wife and your son do it, this way there your you son go. will be prepared when he enters the seminary. <laughs> be one step. Keep open there. Keep open. The look of keep, doubt keep, on Mike's keep, face right now. Keep, keep open. Hey, look, if there's one thing I've learned at listening on 199 episodes is assume nothing in mm-hmm. terms of someone's future. I have no idea what Jack will go through. He's 12 years old right now. He may be a priest. He may be a serial killer. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe both. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I accept all possibilities. Hopefully he's not listening to it. We're yeah, right. not getting a vote on who now from him. Good, good point. Please censor my dad. I, I think I figured out why we never win. All right. It's my mouth. The, um, but... But you know, going back to your process, okay. so, so so Lori, Lori, <laughs> so my my, my discernment was a little bit unusual. So I did receive the habit. So I was a novice in the full white habit of the Dominicans, um, and then we are cloistered, which basically means we don't really leave the mother house. Um, we study there and really just have more time for prayer. Um, so in that time, my dad became very ill um, and ultimately passed away. So that sort of changed the whole scenario yeah. a little bit. Um, I was able to go home and visit him, which was a fantastic opportunity for evangelization. I had the best conversations in airports and on pe- on airplanes. Wow. <laughs> because when you're dressed like that, people ask questions. Like you know, I was just say, are you the doors. one talking someone's ear off on the airplane, or did they approach you? That's funny. They usually ask questions. The power yeah. I was very bold when I was in the habit. Like, there was someone on a plane who owned a business, and it was open on Sundays, and it was really hard for him. I was like, well, why are you open on Sundays? That's the Lord. Like, he's a, he wasn't Catholic. He's a Christian. But I like yeah. Yeah. What? Maybe you should close. That might. Be, you know. Wow. <laughs> that is a, the, the habit is a powerful. Piece of I can power. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you. Can I tell one other habit story? Sure, please. So I drove a sister to a doctor's appointment in Jackson. Now Tennessee is only four percent Catholic. So wow, most really? Tennesseans have never seen a sister. So I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and this woman across from me is staring at me, and she wasn't intending to be insulting, but she says. What are you? <laughs> she was just curious. So I launched into the whole, you know, what species what am I looking is. at? Yeah, exactly. What, what is this? Yeah. Um, so I did actually return. So let me back up. So for my dad's funeral, my entire group of sisters, there was um, 
25 of us who were novices together, which that's very yeah, unusual that's, mm. for religious life today. They got into minivans and drove from Nashville to New Jersey to be here for the funeral. Oh. And they sang at the funeral. And that was like sort of a wish of my dad and God made that happen. Um, and then I got into vans and drove back to Nashville with them thinking, you know, what, the, the Lord sort of worked it out that I can return. And this, I think this is still where I'm supposed to be. Um, but ultimately in the months that followed, I was just not I didn't have that same peace. I was not at mm. ease. And I thought it was just grief, which would make sense. Sure, of course. Um, but ultimately, the um, novice mistress, who was like our spiritual director, she said to me, yeah, something's not right. Like, you, you, I think you need to stay, but I don't think you can make vows um, with this group. And when I took that to prayer, um, the Lord just said to me, you know, I, 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 or I felt this is what we were preparing for to make vows. And if that's not what the plan is, like, I think I need to return home. Like, I think that's what he wants for me. And as soon as I had that realization, peace again, like I was ready to pack up. I mean, it was was very hard to leave because they were like family to me and they were so good to me with my dad's passing. Um, And they're still, I still keep in touch with all the sisters in my group, though they're all over the world now. It's pretty wild. so it was it was difficult to leave, but I had that peace again. And I think the best story, so I had to call my family and tell them I'm coming. So prior to that, um, they were starting to clean out my family home. And they said, well, what do you want us to do with your clothes? I was like, oh, get rid of them. Like, oh, I don't no. need anything. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm staying. Don't worry about it. So yeah, I literally came home with the outfit that I entered in. Like, that was it. That was all I had. I came back. No. Wow. Um, but God is so good that I went to Mass the first day I was back. And the first person I saw walked up to me and said, you're going to need this and handed me money because he had been in the seminary and had left. And I was like, God is so good. Like (laughs) he just knew and took care of me all the way. Um, But yeah, I definitely had that peace. And I I called my family and my sister-in-law, who is so funny. She's like, all right, you can leave, but can you go back? Like, if you change your mind, will they let you go back? Like, yes, it's fine. <laughs> she was just so worried that it was going to be a closed door. Yeah. Um, but yes, but my family was, they were already planning to come down and, and they were still very supportive. And um, it was a weird couple of months and maybe even years after that coming back because I think a lot of people um, maybe don't understand discernment Mm -hmm. fully um, because they would say things like, oh, it just wasn't for you. I was Mm. like, no, it wasn't God's will. (laughs) And and that's the key. And yeah, I brought this up earlier that 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 word discernment, you know, sometimes you discern out. That's true. You know, and sometimes the the order discerns you out. (laughs) You know, I mean, the the truth, I mean, there is a lot to this. You know, I I don't mean to to bring up a, a sensitive subject, but you know, this week we're recording this mm-hmm. two days after the, the McCarrick report came out. And, you know, we I think we saw some of the difficulties that, that a lot of seminarians were going through. And, you know, I read that report, and one of the things that amazed me through it was here were some people who were violated um, in a pretty harsh way and still decided to become priests. Like, and, I, you know, I, that's a, if you ask me, that's kind of a heroic nature to, to some of these folks. And I think it's a reminder that, you know, the Catholic Church has certainly deservingly come under a lot of scrutiny because of how it handled uh, clergy sex abuse, but um, abuse to adults is something that needs to be looked at, too. And, you know, Father Adam, something I wanted to talk to you about, um, it's kind of a serious moment, um, is, you know, seminarians today, I'd like to believe, are a in a much safer environment than they were, you know, 20 years ago when a lot of this stuff was going on. I mean, um, you know, seminarians receive psychological tests. You are with them 
even though they're a college, you interact with them so much and you have an open, and I know your predecessor, Father Romano, that really had open door policies where, you, I mean, they could talk to you about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we often talk about formation as, as a process of, of kind of helping us in that discernment as we're being formed to become good priests, holy priests. And I think um, the formation has changed in many, many aspects since, you know, a lot of these things have happened. And um, it will continue to change and get better and better, um, but especially with psychological evaluations um, and just you know, not only a, an open door policy for the vocation director, but also for the seminary where the men are comfortable, where they can go um, to their mentors, the people that are in charge of their formation um, in a healthy way, without any kind of fear, without any kind of um, hesitation. And, uh, you know, each time I meet with them, I always make sure to tell them that because, yeah. you know, we don't want any of this to, to repeat itself. We don't need any of those kinds of priests um, to be there, you know, and if anybody is being hurt or being uh, threatened in, in any kind of way, you know, that that's definitely not God's church, you know, that's not the way that we're being formed now, and, um, you know, the formation that happens is, you know, not just the job of one person, but, you know, everybody, not only at the seminary too, but when they come back to their home parish, to their assignment parish, um, everybody has a great effect on them. And everybody can help to form them into becoming good priests and just being uh, holy men and women, you know, yeah. being good husbands and wives, being good single men and single women, um, and religious sisters and brothers, you know, and each can really have a, a positive effect on the way they see things. Um, but I think the, the formation really has um, come to, to great fruition just in my my own time but also um, what they're going through now and that's why it's always great to go back and visit the seminary to visit my old mentors that did want to strangle me at times because I was <laughs> making you know bad choices and I had a lot of maturing that I had to do and I entered when I was 25 um, but I see the maturity level of the men that we have in formation along with the other men um, from different dioceses as, as being much higher um, and being something where they know what they're getting into. They know that it's going to be a battle, you know, that we've, uh, you know, as, as you said, you know, we've kind of gotten a black eye for things that have been our fault. Yeah. And um, we have to, to recover and we have to always show that that light of Christ is going to shine no matter what, you know, no matter what happens. Um, and these men, I see, uh, you know, just a, a real zeal and a missionary aspect to it that they're ready for it, you know, and they know what the odds are, you know, and they know what they're up against, and they're not hesitating at, at any moment to really change or uh, to let it challenge. But yeah. it kind of goes into also the formators, and you said it in, in a way where, you know, you can discern out, and, uh, you know, that's the healthy way of doing it, um, where you see yourself as, you know, all right, maybe I am being called to marriage or being called um, to take a break, and that could be a maturity decision, or it could be also the formator saying, we see something, which is a great gift for somebody to be able to say that, that, you know what, you might need to take some time off. You might need to go back and uh, just figure things out or work on this or work on that before you take that next step. Um, and that's always a hard thing to hear, you know, yeah. no matter who you are, um, to be told to be held up or to be taking some time off. Um, and what they're really doing is, is looking out for that man's best interest or, you know, that woman's best interest but also the church's interest, too, because they want healthy men and women that are, are ready for it, you know, and it doesn't mean that they won't be ready in the future, but just at that moment, they're not ready for that next step. They're not ready for that that next um, challenge to come, yeah. um, which is hard, you know, especially when you're invested. And mm -hmm. as a vocation director, you get invested in, in, in men, and you see the great hope 
But then, you know, challenges come where you have to, you know, step back and, and be a father and, and just try to, to guide them and try to help them to see um, how God is working through them and how God is calling them maybe to take some more time or to, mm-hmm. you know, because we can put it in our heads easily that, well, seminary is eight years. I should be done in eight years. Um, and that's sometimes happens, you know, and that's part of the process. But we've had men discern out and then discern back in and then discern back out again. Because they're they're trying to find that way, and that's you know true discernment is is always praying about it and really trying it to see and uh, getting a taste of it. And if you become hungry or thirstier for more of it, you know that desire is always going to grow. Hopefully, yeah. um, and that's something that you'll see over time. And there's no real way of, of of deciding without trying. Like we can look at it, you know, we stand on the fence often and we look at both sides and we say, oh man, that'd be great to have a wife and kids. I wouldn't have to worry about this or it'd be great just to worry about a parish and not a wife and kids. Um, and then, uh, you know, you don't know until it all happens, but God works through it. And I think that's, you know, what Laurie said in such a great way was God was showing himself through those difficult moments, through those moments where uh, you want to kind of give up or you want to kind of uh jump to the other side of the fence but he does work through to kind of say don't make that jump you know take your time to make that good decision make a healthy decision yeah and it's just, it's inspiring to hear both of you you know talk about you know the challenges you face but you immediately follow up with but you know then this great thing happened and you know the way you're able to yeah Lori became an award-winning podcaster yeah, right. yeah. instead of being that's a sister why let's, God wanted me back here in the next time, <laughs> time you're in an airport people go you're an award-winning podcaster yeah, right? oh, tell me all about it the um, you know as someone who, who discerned out you yes. know um, do you have moments of regret or have you ever Considered I do not because I feel like you definitely where God you ought to wanted be. me. So I even went back. They were shocked. I went back for their vows because they were like my sisters, yeah. and they were like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> my hair hadn't even grown back yet, but I, they were like family. So as they were making vows, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not supposed to be up there saying those yeah, words with them." So it was, yeah. I, I I truly appreciate hearing that. Something Father Romano also always said uh, was, um, you know. If, to him, he never. It, there was always a bit of sadness anytime someone left the uh, the seminary. How he, he said he was, always, but he was buoyed by the fact that he knew that now the world was going to have a good Catholic gentleman, or in your case, a good Catholic lady, um, in there. And and the truth of the matter, I I do know a lot of former seminarians, and come to think of it, some former postulants. And every single one of them ended up being an outstanding Catholic uh, who's done nothing but support their own parishes. Um, I'm sure that there are lousy ones, too, but I haven't met them yet. <laughs> the, the, the ones I know are all great, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And so I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, that's why, like you were saying, it's a process. Let the process take its course, and, yeah. you know, no one will feel terrible. I mean, we'll feel sad that there are more priests or more sisters, but... But you know, it's a wonderful. It's a the, just going through the process is great. But yeah. I, I must admit that, um, man, I never had any desire to be a, a priest. I had. A, <laughs> oh gosh, don't I, even. I, had a brief, I don't even want to think about I know, that, Father Mike. I had a brief. I had a brief inkling about becoming a deacon once, but even that uh, went away pretty fast. I was like, Nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. Well, Father even after Adam's, the ordination, oh, you weren't inspired by the recent. No, no, it was I, so beautiful. It was beautiful. That I love. I love the ordinations. If listeners, if you haven't been to or seen an ordination, do yourself a favor and go mm-hmm. see it. But 
ideally be there for it because it's even more powerful in person. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that more often come you know soon. But um, the uh, it's just it's seeing seeing the lying the lying prostrate mm-hmm. is will always be mm-hmm. you know that that moment when you're like oh man things are getting real. And and then the laying on the hands and it's just it's just such a beautiful experience and knowing that these men and, and women um, for for women religious are making this choice the sacrifice this the, it, all for us all for the world at large you know they, I mean they, they're not getting anything out of it other than only having to wear one thing you know what style <laughs> of right. thing every day <laughs> that's not why to make they a choice it, <laughs> not having to make a choice in their closet uh, but it's well, still they much are more... saving their own souls too Mike so it's <laughs> fine that part too but but it is it's it really it's inspiring and I often as I look there at those at the guys and I'm like thank god it's not me but uh, thank you for, for doing it. Well, <laughs> Father, you said something before this podcast, Mike. I don't, you might have said something about how you never considered, you know, that call. But then Father Adam said, well, your vocation is, you know, a father, a mm-hmm. husband. And that's something that I forget about. I always picture yep. religious life only. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting to hear the different different paths. And it's something you can still, you know, pray about no matter what. Vocation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I and, you know, I think it's a, I think it's an important thing for for laity to remember that we we have vocations as well, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's easy to forget because ours don't come with any adornments. But I mean, it's it's really important, and you know, <laughs> we talked about this a few times before. But you know, my what is my job as a spouse? To get my wife into heaven. That Aww. is my one and only job. Um, I'm She's actually, got a tough job, Mike. <laughs> oh, man. She is. Look, it, now it's, it, she has not a saint already. She had to turn it over to an entire diocese. She's like, Mike, I need you, 180 priests, and 200 deacons to even get you into heaven. So uh, it took a lot of people just to get me to dress nice. Um, the, on the next talking and you're still saints, in the works. Mrs. Walsh will be in. Yeah. <laughs> I really should have my mother and my wife on someday. It'd be a short podcast, though. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you know, I hope people have listened to this and and get an idea. If, number one, something you said earlier that we kind of gloss over, Father, which is you know get to know your priests because particularly outside of mass, because the, some of the best relationships I have with priests are the people I knew uh, just friendly. We'd have them over to dinner and stuff like that, and you really do get such a great. A completely different perspective on your parish priest. So invite your parish priest to dinner. Usually they're they're looking for a decent meal nowadays. Um, I and, keep hearing um, the small groups come up too. I think all three of you mentioned yeah, yeah, these small groups. Great. Small groups saved my 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 Catholic faith wow. um, more than almost anything else, and thank God for it. So can we plug two groups? Absolutely, small yeah. groups. Yes. <laughs> so one, both Father and I are involved in Samuel Group right now. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I think you'd probably have to wait until next year to join because it's a nine month process yeah. I believe um, but next year definitely would highly recommend that and then and yeah and our discernment group will be coming up on uh, November 22nd um, so that's a, a good opportunity and again it's a, it's really a prayer group you know and that's what it's all about is praying about our vocation um, and seeing other men who are thinking about it interested in it um, so it's a, a great time and we meet at uh, Our Lady Guadalupe um, parish offices at um, uh, the St. Lawrence um, church uh, from 2 to about 3.30. So it's a, a great opportunity. And also our uh, first Thursday that we talked a little bit about, you know, to join us either live stream, um, um, depending on where we are at in the world. So, you know, it's hard to, to say at this point. But, but we'll keep doing those live streams. And once again, prove it, uh, um, you know, 
Lori is proving that this is why she's an award-winning podcaster because she remembered to, to include the plugs at the yeah, end. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Which and, we'll be sure to post. Oh, absolutely. We'll post those as well. And maybe you'll see Mike at one of those events, you know, praying for a vocation. I'm usually behind the camera, so you probably won't see me there, but I'll be late. Just know He'll that I'm me there in, in place. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you very much for listening to Laurie and Father Adam. Thank you very much for joining. And Mary, thank you for joining me today because I basically made you. And uh, everybody else, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.